Welcome. I am here with John Yost again. We're going to continue our interview from earlier, and we're going to discuss what he refers to tantalizingly as the plan. So, John, at the end of Alien Abduction's answers, you refer to this plan that your abduction is tied to or correlated with or related to. Yes. Can you say more about that? Of course. Of course. Well, to set the stage for those who might not have seen the film, I go through this regression. And at some point, I kind of run into a wall where the therapist is opening me up to comment on these things. Trust me, when I tell you about this stuff, I don't really know about it or understand about it. But what it felt like, what it truly felt like was that something, somebody, huge, I'm not a small guy, but whatever was behind me, I could feel something come right up behind me, like someone walked right up behind me as I was sitting in this chair, kind of in this twilight stage. And if I'm 6'3", this is 10 foot tall. This is this kind of big okay and my mouth opened and whatever was behind me just started to talk and it was the most surreal feeling i think i can ever recall because i could feel the mechanics of my mouth opening and shut but the voice reminded me of me but it was as though somebody completely other than me was uttering these words and they were referring to the information that had been please forgive me downloaded i I don't have a better word about the conveyance of that information in my experiences but I guess this had been cumulative. Remember, I in our first interview, I referenced the fact that I had not been taken just that once. I had been taken several right. times prior. So I guess the cumulative information that was being channeled or, or whatever out of my mouth was that this is coming to a head. What I mean by this is the collection of phenomena is starting to increase in number, intensity, richness of experience, proliferation, and and, and is accumulating this sort of energy of itself, its own inertia. It's going to take on a life of its own. People have talked about disclosure many, many times, but back in December, what was it, 19... was it 51 52 there were these tremendous sightings over oh dc the capital okay now look look people say what what no this was reported in all these newspapers from around the world there were pictures of it we sent up fighters to go get them they vanished and this didn't happen once this happened a couple times over a couple days okay people say well why didn't they land on the look they were there we tried to shoot them out of the air okay so this disclosure has been announced okay 
But even with that, okay, so if they had landed as opposed to flown over the Capitol and then left, would we have the same collective amnesia that we have now about that? If you reference that particular incident to half a dozen people, I I hazard a guess that maybe one might know that, maybe two. So this inertia, this collective acceleration, there used to be a, a radio host named Art Bell. Mm, yeah, Coast and, to Coast AM. Yeah, and he, he had a term for it. His term was the quickening, meaning mm-hmm. that all of these things were starting to come in rapid succession. And so this is happening. People's minds are being opened up at a logarithmic rate. And the possibilities of that, they, they have permutations. And what I mean is this. I had something happen in my own life. I, I, I've been working at the same facility for 13 years, right? I drive the same way, both ways, every day, sometimes weekends. And one day I came to a stoplight that I come to every day, and I saw this billboard on the side of the road. And I'm talking to my dear wife about picking up something at the store. And I start to comment on how ridiculous this billboard is and how asinine and this and I said, whoever would have funded that thing? And I can't believe it's been up there. And she said, well, it's been there for eight years. Now, I, I have to tell you something. I work in the visual media. I'm an observant cat. I've been there twice a day, every day almost, for 13 years. I've never seen a damn thing in my life. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. It never dawned on me what it was. And, what it, and now, at the end of that equal sign, I can't help but see the thing. I see it every day. And all I want to do is torch it because it's so inane. But this is my point. When that cosmic egg, if you will, is cracked, mm-hmm. and there is enough, you know, the hundred monkeys, that sort of thing, there's enough of this possibility. And that's why I said in our last interview, the paradigm is switched. People who would just dismiss this outright as cock and bull are now not only observant, but discussing it with a sense of duty because it could be the Russians, could be the you know, it could be whatever, or it could be one of them. Let's discuss it and have a safe conversation about it. It's allowed that to happen. And the more and more that this happens, this will have the same effect as me seeing that billboard over and over again and never recognizing it. And now I cannot avoid it. There is a historical story that you may be familiar with, and I'm going to just paraphrase it for brevity. Cortez comes to the New World, and as he pulls in with his ships, He had about 400 sailors with him. And those sailors were scoping out the shore. And there were like 40,000 indigenous people there. Well, these guys lost their mind. They're thinking, we're going to be killed, eaten, whatever. (laughs) There is no way we're going in there. And in fact, historically, they tried to mutiny old Cortez. Yeah. 
he eventually, you probably have heard this term, had to burn his ships to avoid it. We're going to burn our ships. And so he avoided. He said, you know, listen, we're either going to, they were there for the gold, right? Shangri-La or Kamala or whatever the heck they were looking for. We're going to get the gold or we're going to die trying. Now, that's an interesting story, a little anecdote. But what happened on the reverse side or the obverse side is more interesting and is instructive to us to this day and germane to our discussion. After they had come ashore and made relations and whatever, they discussed it with them and translators and this sort of thing, and eventually found out what the experience of those people were. They said that one day, in a very calm environment, this very dark mist rolled in to the bay. And they saw it, and they didn't understand where it was coming from because the weather hadn't changed. And they're looking at it, they're looking at it, and they just kind of coexisted within a couple of days, and they could hear men's voices, but they couldn't see anything. After a while, some of their shamans and wise men would go out to the rim of the water, and they would stare, and they could see shadows inside the mist. But it was only when those men got into a few small boats and started to row towards the shore that they were revealed to the indigenous people. They could see men that were much different than them. They could see the boat. And then the mist lifted. They had never, these people on the shore, had never in their entire experience, their collective experience, saw a tall masted ship. They had no concept of what the hell that was. Their mind allowed them to see mist or some morphous, undulating cloud. Even though they were staring directly at it the entire time, there was no cloud. There was no inclement weather. It was there. To the best of their understanding, the best of their science, the best of their religion, the best of their experience, what they were looking at was fog. Only when the reality became concrete was the mist lifted and they could see exactly what it was. 500 years ago, the very best of our science thought that illness was caused by evil spirits or curses. Along comes a discovery of the microscope. And we discover viruses and bacteria and germs and stuff like that. So here's the question. There's always the nuance. I'm a storyteller, so I always am interested in the obverse. So here's the So did the bacteria and the viruses, did they spontaneously create themselves the moment that those lenses were put into it? Or were they always there? And our tech and our curiosity and our acceptance of the information did it finally catch up with the reality of what was going on? Of course. Of course. Are you familiar with the double slit experiment? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Stare at that light and watch what happens. And does it know? I'll go one step further. Is it conscious? Is right. all matter conscious? Is it? This is interesting. 
and is reacting. It's reacting. And, and by the way, this is why I think that prayer works, meditation works, because we, in fact, are energetic beings. You know, I, I laugh at some people. They say, you know, oh, you know, that's all. Woo. I said, wait a second, wait a second. When you have a thought to insult me, by the way, <laughs> you're insulting me. Are there little tiny guys in your head that turn wrenches and cranks and little, or is it an electronic impulse that goes from one synapse to another? I said, of course it is. It's energy. I said, that's even in your dull head. That's what it is. And this is what we're dealing with. So why wouldn't everything be around us be that energetic? Of course it is. We're an electrical being. You know, all of this, all the cells working is powered on electricity. Everything we are is electric. And so this is what's happening. Anyway, so I tell you all this convoluted kind of table to bring us to this plan. This plan is no more and no less knocking on our collective door to make themselves so intrusive, realizing that all we see is fog, all we can conceptualize. Now, there have been those few wise men and wise women who have seen the things in the sky and interpreted them separate ways, seen the lights in the forest and interpreted it in different ways. And they were the wise ones and the shamans and the medicine men of yore. What's happening is, as us, as a collective, we're starting to open our minds to understand that this is accessible to all of us. Now, there are two things here. Number one, it is completely necessary for this communication to continue, for us to understand and realize that we are part of this thing. We are not separate. We are part of it. And we are not alone. Because, you know, if you talk to yourself, you're a little bit crazy, right? But if you're talking to something else or communicating with something else, now we can advance together. There's something here. and. So the why is, is in, entangled with this. Now, this is where my theories sometimes depart from other theories. And I, I have to say that I, I firmly plant my flag here. Far be it from me, even in theory, to claim motivations. Mm -hmm. right? Can you know my heart? Can I know your heart, really, or your intentions? You could be duplicitous, have a subterfuge. You could do that. You could do that. And there are a lot of people who do that. I mean, this field is rife with charlatans and idiots and fools. Well, also military intelligence people deliberately sure. selling misinformation. Sure, sure. So yeah. it's all over the place. It's all over the place. But because they exist, that does not in any way preclude honest, genuine observations that might be miscatalogued that might be misidentified, that might be correctly identified, okay? So only when we treat it seriously, only when we collectively, and not just for military purposes, study it, allow it to occur and become, I don't want to say become one with it because that sounds a little woo-woo, but become one with the reality that it exists, 
You know, you have a you have a neighbor that moved in next door, right? If you wore earplugs all the time, you wouldn't know that they played their music too loud. The moment you take the earplugs out, you realize they're playing their music way too loud. Okay, you have to know that they play their music way too loud to even ask them to even have the conversation about the loud music, right? Okay, but here is where, and this is a dicey topic. We're talking about motivations. I contend this. There is no way to know agendas until you see the physical ramifications or permutations of actions, right? You can't. You can't. And then also, even if you see them, you can't put a label on them because our cultures are different. Mm -hmm. Here's an example, right? In the last interview, I was talking about, you know, here we are, we're exploring our solar system, right? We come down with those Blackhawk helicopters and we shoot a dart into a three-headed elk and we, we tag it. Okay, if this elk was sentient and could speak to other elk, this cat might have a completely different take on the encounter. Now, we as scientists might say, this is fantastic and we're going to learn all this data and this is going to be fantastic. And this dude is like, hey, those cats came out, they attacked me, they zapped me, they knocked me down, they put this crap in my ear, I can't get it out, and now I can't go anywhere without seeing them, because I can see them hovering above me here and here and here, and they're the devil. Okay. That's an innocuous and yet very realistic kind of narrative to describe what some of this stuff is happening. Now, that is not to say that there are not insidious or dark or evil in the universe, okay? But what is evil? What is evil? In this particular fable, the scientists, us, are evil, okay? And yet our motivations are not evil at all, right? Mm -hmm. you, that's why I'm saying you can't know the heart, right? You can't know the heart. Maybe we realize our environment is deteriorating rapidly and we relocate them to a, a lush uh, forest somewhere else. And we've done a great job for them, but they just, they lack the understanding. They don't know. Okay. In my film, because I am a filmmaker, and this is one of the other differences in my film versus other documentaries you see, you see a clip and then you hear some sort of narration. Because these people are statisticians and researchers and scientists and smart, smart people, I'm a filmmaker who is an experiencer who is sharing the experience through cinematic, through color and light and tone. That's why it's more like a movie than it is like a documentary. People get confused sometimes. So in the film, I use these little parables to kind of describe. And as you remember, I muse about Elon Musk. He's talking about going to Mars, right? And so he has this ship and it lands there. And this little Martian guy comes out and out of the, out of the craft comes somebody from Asia. And then this really, really tall person from Norway. And then this person from Kenya. And, you know, whatever. You have this entire spectrum of all these races from Earth. And the alien posits, well, which one of you is an Earthling? They all are. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. And you all are. And so what are your motivations? Well, maybe the captain is interested in security. Maybe the science officer is interested in natural resources. Maybe there's a speculator there who's interested in the materials. Maybe there's an anthropologist there who's just interested in communicating and understanding everybody. And maybe there's a spiritual advisor who's interested in 
their religion and the gods that they pray to and their spirituality. Okay, and that's all, by the way, from one planet, from one ship. Okay, so now you take the enormity of the universe and you say, well, I know exactly, they're in an evil breeding program. Okay, well, look, I'm not saying they're not, but you can't use the word they as this broad brush and say, they, that's not true. It's not true. And it can't be true. And by the way, all of these roads, like all roads lead to Rome, all these roads lead back to this ego where we have to plant our flag and we have to say, I'm going to name this so I can claim this. And I'm going to be the person who is the flag bearer. This is one of the little asides I'll share with you. We talked about grifters and charlatans and people in this world. It's so, please forgive the, it's a bad pun. It's all alien to me. And what I mean is this, you have these tremendous encounters and it crushes your ego and you realize that you're part of all of us, you know, and, and, and these experiences are universal. And I want to mean by all of us and all of us is one and everything else. I know there's a lot of you know, scripture from different um, disciplines and cultures about that sort of idea. But I, I think of it like this. Like very, very religious people will say, look, we're all created by a creator God. You'll have agnostics who will say, listen, everything is part of this huge paradigm and we're in a matrix and there's an an intelligent design. Okay, fine. And then you have atheists who say, we're all the result of the Big Bang. Okay, fine. But if you boil them all down, they say the exact same thing. And to to my point, if it's the creator God, or if it's the master coder, or if it's the imploding star, We are all part of the same stardust, the same matter, the same antimatter, the same electrons, the same. And not only that, not only that, so are they, and so are they, and so are they. Literally, we are connected, not even on a genetic level, but on the smallest particle you could possibly put your hands around or conceptualize. We are literally them and they are us. Motivations, looks, attitudes, favorite foods, liver and onions might be different, but we literally are all equal in that we all are from the same source. Mm -hmm. I don't want to crack open a Sanskrit and go that way, but I'm just saying we're all from the same source, regardless if we believe it or we don't believe it or we think it or we don't think it, it doesn't matter because guess what? And this is where I got to earlier about people being right versus being correct. I would like to know the truth and truth is an empirical thing. It's not an opinion. We like to say that's not, you know, if you had this much water in a test tube, what is the truth? Well, it's half full, that's half empty. No, no. The truth is there are 30 centiliters of water in this tube. Now, here's the way we address it as egomaniacs. Well, you and I are both thirsty, and you're a brilliant guy. And you say, well, look, that's not going to satisfy my thirst, but it will get me closer to my goal. So you drink it. I, on the other hand, am an idiot. So what I do is I scream and yell about how it's never going to sate my thirst. And then what happens is I literally exacerbate my problem and I literally get more thirsty. And Okay. So you see this kind of hole that we're in. We are the dummies. We are the people who refuse to say, there's something in that fog. 
There's something there. Okay. So in that fog, there are these guys, these people, these entities, this consciousness that are us, we are them. But their motivations, their agendas, unknown. But guess what? Until we take those plugs out of our ears, we're never going to know. Until we wipe the sand from our eyes, we are never going to know that that's a tall ship there. And I would think as a knowing and wise people, we would want to know. Because that itself, that knowledge is power. It's the only thing that's ever advanced us. This is what separates us from the great apes. These guys can't learn and accumulate knowledge. We do, and now we're doing it in exponential power. This is why we have cars that drive themselves. And that's other thing. This plan is to shake our paradigm, to crack that, that egg. There are a series of events that are going to happen within both of our lifetimes, my friend. Yeah, you did mention that was going to happen within your yeah, lifetime. Specifically. Yeah, yeah. And so I better live long, right? No. <laughs> I'm pretty good health. These events are going to happen in our lifetime, and they will become irrefutable. Already, you've seen the paradigm change, as I mentioned, the three types of polarization about how to think about these things. And I said at the end of our last conversation that I'm kind of at the end of the cul-de-sac going, hey, guys, welcome to the block party. What's happening is this, that throughout the history of man and womankind on this earth, there have been those people who have been sensitive enough or have lowered their defenses enough or have had a shock to their system like I did, indoctrination. That, hey, wake the hell up. Something is here. Wake up. That this is going to occur. And when it does, it's not going to be like bang, bang, bang. But it will be bang, very loud, irrefutable. And as as I said in, in the film, it will be wonderful. It'll be terrible. It'll be scary. It'll be amazing. There will be people who die. There'll be people who take their lives. There'll be people who will not be able to handle it. There will also be people who desperately, honestly, genuinely want to figure it out. To say, what does this mean to me? How can I possibly have lived this way all my life? How do I deal with this? What is it? Okay. And at the end of the cul-de-sac, they're going to be folks. These guys who have said, welcome to the party. And they'll already be acclimated to that other, to the possibilities of other. And see clearly enough not to be rubed into trusting maybe an agenda that is not good for us because there'll be those that when it happens, they'll completely throw themselves to the wind and yes, of course, come in and take everything. Yes, you're a superior. Yes, you must be the gods. Yes, you must have created. And it's a deception, okay? There'll be the ones that will need that sort of guidance, that sort of support. 
And this is where I, I really was going, and I'm glad it kind of circled back about, you know, there's so many grifters, uh, charlatans, this sort of thing. These people have had this experience, and I don't doubt their experience, and I don't doubt their work. God bless them all. But let's recognize who they are. They're humans with all of the faults and fragility that we all have and that need to be important. And how, somehow they forget that Copernicus disproved the idea of them being the center of the universe. And so you have these cats out there who are, you know, I really need to be the one who approves every kind of doctrine about this UAP thing. I am the purveyor of all truth. And, you know, I, I am the contact for all of these. R really? You? you? Really? You? Okay. Okay. I say beware. Anybody who says that they are the cat, because here's another thing, which is interesting. Usually folks who do that, they are exclusive to everybody else, right? So in mm -hmm. their paradigm, there can't be, you know, if they're, a, if they're a, a gray guy, okay, well, there can't be tall white. No, 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 those are just illusions the grays put in your head because they have told me that I am in control. Of, uh, uh, really? You? There are 7 billion people here, but it's just you. <laughs> Come on, right. guys. So, so then my point is this. is like, I'm a nobody, but I'm also everybody. Right. They're a nobody, but they're everybody. So guess what? It is that whole golden rule about do unto others as you would have to do unto yourself. It is important to look after your brother. Everybody's your brother. Everybody's your sister. This service to others. It's important to understand that you are not the nexus of all wisdom because we're all on this ride together. And that is really what the plan is. It's not to get us to another level where, holy hell, you know what? We met these alien cats and they gave us all kinds of tech and now we can blow some more up. That's yeah, not no, what the not. point is. The point no. is this. Hey, listen, we're going to get you to a point where you need to start thinking for yourself, but you can't. You and I and every person on this planet can understand this. You would never give an infant the collected works of Shakespeare. It wouldn't make sense. They have to learn how to kind of sound out things first. They have to make mistakes. They have to say stupid stuff, right? Then they have to understand that what they say can be translated into paper. That, oh, ah means a, ah, a, a is for apple. And then after that, it's a word. Then it's a phrase. Then it's a rudimentary sentence. You know, Jack and Jill went up the hill. Then it's a paragraph. Then it's a story. Then it's a novel. Then it's a collected work, this huge tome. Okay. Once again, our egos, give me that Shakespeare. Of course, I will know the secrets to the universe. No, you are a moron. <laughs> but your ego tells you that you're something that you're not. And this is all part and parcel. This is where the convergence of spirituality, religiosity, mm -hmm. psychics, channelers, remote viewers, ufology, philosophers, science, all of it starts to converge because it all is part and parcel of the same thing. It is part and parcel of existence. Everything that we partition off, because we like to name, we like to control, our ego demands it so we can own it, 
is labeling it, putting it into a box. We must look at this as a complete panorama of experience. And each one of these things is an aspect. Here is, and I've used this example before, and I, and I know that it's a little bit trite, but I have to tell you, it really, truly is the axle to this wheel of understanding what's going on. Okay. You, you've heard this analogy where, where we take the smartest people on the planet, right? And I'm going to say that you already know this, right? You take the smartest people on the planet, you throw them in a black room, and you say, hey, what's in there? Okay. Mm. Okay. So the first one says, oh, it's a spear. Somebody says, what are you talking about? It's a whip. Somebody says, are you nuts? This is a boulder. You turn on the light, and it's an elephant. Now, I'm a great one for boring down into the nuance. So check this out. We've already established that these are the smartest people on the planet. Okay? So these are not dummies. These are not fanciful people who are going to just tell us blah, blah, blah. They're going to tell us their honest-to-God observations. Okay? And they are, you know, I, I often muse about people telling you their truth because they own it again, right? Their truth. You know, I'm an old guy. You know, you would have said that to me back in the 70s or 60s. I would have said, so that's an opinion that nobody else shares. Okay, because you own <laughs> it. Okay. Okay. But everybody's like, my truth. Okay. So the scientist who grabbed the tusk, who said it's a spear, is not in any way trying to obfuscate. He's not trying to lie. He's not being, you know, he's not practicing subterfuge. He's not trying to be duplicitous. That lady who has the has the body and they said, this is a boulder. Are you out of your mind? I'm a geologist. I know what a boulder feels like. They are telling their absolute truth. And so what does that word really mean to these people and to us as other humans? We're trying, desperately trying to understand what's going on. We have to accept, number one, the truth of the event, right? Because without the event, then there's no observation, right? Right. Okay. Now, your observations might be hobbled because it's black in that room. You can't see anything. Okay. But there are observations nonetheless. So let's take what we can get. Okay. The second thing is that we have to accept the truth of the matter, meaning that there was an observation that this happened and this person is relaying to the very best of their ability, their cognitive ability, as much of the experience as they can wrap their arms around. Maybe they can't touch the other side. That's why it's a boulder. You can't wrap your arms around an elephant. You're crazy. It's as much as they can not only observe, but consume and digest, and convey, right? If I had never been in a stadium, I could never tell you how big and cavernous a stadium could feel in the dark, mm -hmm. right? And for those who have never understood that or been in one, that would be a meaningless analogy. This is the thing, and this is why all of these experiences are very, very personal. Because you must have your ego adjusted, like a chiropractor. My ego has to be adjusted because then all of a sudden, it's not a white guy looking at a white guy or a middle-aged guy looking at a middle-aged guy. 
It's a soul looking at a soul going, what the hell is going on here? We together are going to say there's something else. There's something more. There's something other than us or our political differences or our socioeconomic status. There's something other. And now we can, on that basis, move forward with observations in the truest sense, in honesty and real observation, as opposed to filtering it through all of our prejudices. That is why it is a communication on that level. And it might appear this way to you and a fog to me, but it's all part and parcel of it. I don't know. I, what do you think? <laughs> I think that's incredibly deep. And I think that's kind of the way you have to look. Like you're basically referring to Plato's cave, right? Like sure. you're, we are limited by very rudimentary sensors, right? You have your sight, your smell, hearing, etc. But there is a far greater reality that we just don't see. One might even argue that people who are diagnosed with schizophrenia, maybe they're seeing a part of reality that their brain is not filtering the way it filters us. So maybe they're the geniuses and we're not. And I'm not saying people with schizophrenia should stop taking their meds and things like that. But there's a whole sector of reality that we're just not evolved to see yet. And maybe we are, maybe we shut certain things off. And the other thing I I didn't ask you is where do you think the government stands in all this? Like how Mm. much do they know? How much don't they know? I'm assuming no one's ever approached you from the government about this, (laughs) but that doesn't mean they haven't. (laughs) Sean, let me say this on the record. So everybody hears it. I'm a nobody. <laughs> nobody <laughs> gives a damn what I have to say. <laughs> no, I've never been approached by anyone except nice people like yourself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who who were bored on a Saturday afternoon. So no. I I no, I I have to speculate. Now look, these guys have limitless resources. Okay. And it's clear to anyone who is even remotely observant that the government is not being completely forthcoming probably with anything but especially this okay so imagine about tax records or something as mundane as i don't know taxes or whatever and they have this old convoluted system of controls to keep us in order and quiet okay And then something so mind-bending as we're part of a much greater reality. And in truth, as you said, you know, way we've shut ourselves off from that. Because, you know, humans are interesting. We're really, really good at surviving. So what do we do? Mm -hmm. We raise our expectations and our abilities to the lowest common denominator we get by, right? So if everybody sees that mountain and it just looks like a mountain, baby, it's just a mountain. It's just a pile of rocks. Nothing else to see here because I don't want to rock the boat. Heck, I got to have a beer and go watch the Super Bowl next. You know what I mean? Because that's what it is. It's too much work. It would take too much work or introspection to, to really analyze. And people just aren't like that. And we're taught that from a very young age. And it's only the really special people that have thrown off those shackles and have become geniuses or completely 
in tune with our greater reality. So to the government, I'm certain that they've had individuals who have suspected and therefore studied. But also, I have, <laughs> I have no doubt and I have complete faith in the absolute buffoonery of people. And so it could be that the government is just impossible, inept, and not does not have the capacity to understand that there be anything but themselves. So those blips that they see, they either shoot them out of the sky or they ignore them. And then they never existed. See? See how nice that is? I had a friend of mine, and this is a terrible story, but I had a friend of mine who developed a lump underneath their arm. And they were a young person, uh, mid-teens, late teens, okay? And they ignored it. And this lump grew and grew and grew and grew until it's as big as my fist. And only after an accidental discovery amongst the friends, we said, what the hell is that? This person purposely redirected their actions to ignore it because they were afraid to touch it. It was something out of their control. And it terrified them so much. And unfortunately, in this particular story, that person died because it was a huge melanoma inside their lymph nodes and it spread throughout their body and it destroyed them. And this is really what the plan is, is created to counteract. We, through our own action or inaction, can be our biggest enemy. Not something out there in space, but we... By poisoning ourselves, killing ourselves, shooting the hell out of ourselves, robbing ourselves, raping ourselves. It's insanity, you know, and it is the very definition of insanity, repeating over and over again the same things and getting the same results and expecting difference. And this is where we find ourselves. And it is an incredible thing. At the end of the film, I muse, I say, you know, what is it about these shiny lights in the sky that make me want to be a better person, that make me think these things? And what it is is realizing that. I am not the center of the universe. I am not the center of all experience. I am merely a part of it. And unless I open my eyes and my ears and my nose and my mouth and my mind and my consciousness, I am never going to be able to partake in that greater truth, if you will, that greater understanding. Let's put it that way, that greater understanding. You're a military guy. So, you know, here, here's an example. You and I are standing on this hill right and it's uh, two o'clock in the morning and we have uh, night vision so we pop it on we look down the hill we see some bad guys coming up okay so i take mine off and i go whoo that's good thank god that's over i'm glad i'm having a better and, and you look at me like you what are you <laughs> what a more the? what the yeah what the and you know what <laughs> my my day is about to get really really bad and you are going to have a more successful day right <laughs> Okay, so this is, I use that because of the craziness of it, but this is exactly what we do. And so the government, could they possibly be ignoring it? Could they possibly be so convinced that it's fog instead of a tall ship? I think their duty is to turn over every rock. And I think they probably they have, but not every rock because there are so many. I think the government knows that there's something out there. But the bottom line is this. If the ego of an individual is mammoth, imagine the collective ego of a self-indulgent, 
control mechanism. That's their only purpose in life is to control. That's what governments do. I'm not even saying that. I'm not putting any kind of morality in that. I mean, the existence of government is to control. Okay. Well, something of, of their purview either has to be destroyed or understood or defeated or ignored. And that's the point. So I I, I wish I could give you a real answer, but that's my speculation. I don't know. It it feels to me that, and having worked for a brief period in government, Mm -hmm. it feels to me that they are very aware of the phenomena. Whether or not they've recovered evidence of it, I think there's strong evidence that they have. Whether or not they understand the evidence that they've recovered, I'd say it's a coin flip. I would think that it's probably a baby discovering Shakespeare or somebody from the 18th century discovering a motorcycle and trying to, can they figure out how to ride the motorcycle? Probably. Mm, No. But would they they replicate it? Yeah, absolutely not. not. Could they repair it? Probably not, because you don't have the metallurgy to fashion the engine parts. And so I think that that's part of it. There's also a piece that could just be bureaucratic. Mm -hmm. And that is, if you were to recover something physical and you wanted to reverse engineer it, you wouldn't want your adversaries to know about it. Of course. So you would absolutely keep it at the highest level of secrecy. That said, with the FOIA laws, you couldn't control it within government. You would have to cede it out to a private corporation. And then if you do that, who decides which corporation gets it? It's moving away from the mysterious and the unknown and the ethereal and coming down to just practical day-to-day considerations Mm -hmm. Not only would you have to contend with all the issues that you discussed of people denying it, people killing themselves, people not confronting the reality that we are not the apex predator in the universe, Mm -hmm. you would also have a million different practical difficulties. What did Mm -hmm. you do to hide the secret? Did you kill anybody? Right? We've never done that. (laughs) <laughs> right like you know again uh, going to extreme fringe and maybe not extremes sure. like people say kennedy was going to do something about it and that might have been what got him killed I don't know. you know bay yeah. of pigs the whole bay of pigs yeah. thing is probably what did it but who, who knows but there's also legal implications like why did you favor one company there's probably a hundred companies that went bankrupt without that advantage that the government provided sure. somebody so you're sure. going to have lawsuits lockheed martin will be out of business because they got all the i don't know if they got all the secrets but i would be shocked if they did not <laughs> and then the other thing too is what are our adversaries think do they have some of this stuff do we have to share it you know is there going to be a huge push and again i'm i'm going back to the concrete physical but then there's also the spiritual aspects so right now we're running headlong into this transhumanism environment and if you do any research on the collective unconscious subconscious there are things that we have not tapped into as a species mm. that you know maybe 
changing your brain and shutting things off might destroy a greater intelligence that we're able to tap into that we're not tapping into right now. Mm-hmm. So that frightens me a little bit. I feel like we are more than we allow ourselves to see. And we're kind of moving headlong you know, in a direction away from that. The other thing too is, let's say these things do exist and the government has them. What happens to the trillion dollar fossil fuel industry? What happens to, and I'm not saying this to malign those industries. You're talking yeah. about hundreds of thousands of people who are employed to work for those companies. Yes, and how do you release this stuff so that it doesn't result in a complete and utter economic collapse? Because at the end of the day, sure. somebody still has to feed the power plants. Somebody still has to keep the lights on. So when I look at government, there will be some malicious actors with our interests you know, clearly not in mind, but there will be others who it's their job to spin these worst case scenarios. And, you know, I just mm-hmm. spun a bunch of them for you right here. I'm not sure. saying it's right. I think the bulk of humanity could handle it. Yeah. But there's a comment by you, you might, you have to be familiar with James Fox, given what you do. The director, producer, he's the sure. one who put together another documentary about the crash in Brazil. You definitely have to take a look at it. Just look up James Fox. Um, no, I, I don't know him. But he had dinner at one point with Robert Bigelow. You, are you familiar okay. with him? Yes, of course. So what Bigelow told him, and again, I don't know if this is true. I don't deny it or endorse this. Just relating information. Bigelow told him that they are living amongst us. Hmm. And so James Fox kind of said, well, why don't we release this information? Hmm. And what he said is it would be like a million water gates all in one go. And he didn't elaborate beyond that. But we would be so mired in all that trash that we would actually lose, lose the truth and lose the point. And then also lose ourselves because the good actors out there might not be able to save us from ourselves. And the bad actors might follow the momentum to help us destroy because uh, they're probably, like I said, different factions of whether you call them good or bad. I just say positive for the humans, bad, negative for the humans. And then also the cherry on that Sunday is in every single one of them. And I know that I sound like a broken record. Of, please forgive me, please. And I'm asking your your audience to forgive me. <laughs> just, uh, but in, but, in, but in, every, in every one of those scenarios that you just spun out, there's also the opportunity for a person to make a decision because they want to personally retain their power because they are the purveyor of all truth or purveyor of all information and knowledge is power and never tell them everything you know because that is job security number one. And as ridiculous and sad and small that is the truth so in terms of the plan and the message that is going out to the world the analogy that i've used for this is and again i'm saying this as a catholic so this is not an endorsement for protestantism but no born and raised brother born and raised so the big deal about the protestant reformation was that 
Martin Luther made the argument that the individual could have direct intercession with God yes. without the intercession of the priesthood. Yes. And I think the way out of this sort of confusion and uncertainty about the phenomena, let's just call it that phenomenon, is it's like a neo-Martin Lutherism. Reformation, where, yeah. Yeah, it's like a neo-Reformation, only instead of the church, insert the government. And each individual needs to find a way or do what they need to do to make that connection individually. And paradoxically, it brings us back to the whole, you know, the, the consensus. But I think if we are relying on government to share the mysteries of the universe with us, we're, we're going to be sorely disappointed. Uh, now, uh, to be fair, for on government side, you can imagine, as you noted earlier, that there may be pro-human, anti-human factions and whatever you're dealing sure. with. It could also be equivalent to, again, as a, a good Catholic, you'll understand this, having this direct intercession could be the equivalent of summoning a demon into your household, right? Yeah, For all you know, because sure, we're, sure. we're at some point, we're all ignorant, right, in terms oh, of yeah. how we do this. So it's going to be a careful tightrope. From the government's perspective, that's what they might see if we're dealing with alternate realities. You're opening portals into other dimensions and things are, are reaching yes. in. And yes. We're, yes. You're sending a signal to another world that's whatever. Anyway, yes. trying to see all angles in this and trying to understand the perspectives of. I, I, but I think, I think you're right on. Honestly, Sean, I, I think you're right on. And here's the thing as I use that analogy about you and I standing on that hill, okay, and you have the tools to see clearly what's coming, you are more equipped to see if they're good guys or bad guys. If I take those glasses off, that tech off, if I ignore it, if, I, if I, even I have the tech and I turn my back on it because I choose to, I'm about to have a bad day. We have to, number one, recognize there's something. Then we have to observe it. We have to study it. We have to look. I want to make sure that I make this point completely clear. This plan is not going to be subtle. Okay? We've talked about things all throughout our two conversations about the individual and how we blend with this information, how we masticate over it, and how we process and digest. Mm. Okay. okay. There are going to be several of these events that are going to be so resounding that it will be irrefutable. Government be damned, atheists be damned, religiosity be damned, whatever. They're going to exist. And armed with that information, people will actually have to grow up. They'll have to make a decision. I hear these tales every year about kids who prom date and a little drunk and they crash their car and they die, right? They live their entire life to drive because that's what they wanted to do. So they're at the pinnacle of their life and they have everything. And then why did God take God didn't take them. The guy had all the tech, he had all the training, he had the licenses. He made bad decisions. You have to make these decisions. And what's happening is 
is that our hand will be forced. We are going to have to make that decision for individuals, you, me, us. And it will not be subtle. It's been subtle. It will not be subtle. And that's why it's going to be so important for the people who do have those glasses that have seen or glimpses or touched that spear or heard that music to say, all right, all right, all right, look, look, first of all, calm down. This is not new. This is really, really old. This has happened a long time. You're new to the party, but this is not new. Yeah, by really, really old, we're talking thousands of years. This is not like just in 1947. No, no. but take a breath, take a breath. I've lived with this paradigm. You know, this person says, I live with this paradigm all my life, and this is what I see, or I see dead people, or whatever, whatever they're dealing with, okay? They understand there's something other. And it's going to be difficult. Some people will not make it through. Because when it's right in your face and there's no other recourse, it crushes your ego. And people don't handle despair well. If all of their glass houses have been shattered and they don't have some sort of guiding source, they'll fall for anything or they'll Mm -hmm. just fall on their own sword. This is the danger, but this is also the necessary danger of growing up. Yeah, we're about to face it regardless regardless and this is the plan very wise words my friend thank you very much i don't know about that but i pray to be part of the solution i don't know but um, this first film i'll share this with you this first film is called alien abduction answers and it was made as a catharsis for me because i was literally crippled affecting my wife my life my business everything and I sought it as a catharsis. And what it did was it it took me from that ignorance. I don't mean that derogatory. I, I mean that just ignorance, like in the in the dark room, to which leads to fear because you see something in your room and you turn on the light and you say, Oh, that's that's my jacket hanging over a chair. That's not an intruder. They, okay. So but you have to turn the light on. You have to show focus on it, right? So to take me from that ignorance, which led me to fear just some measure of understanding. I'm not talking about, I know that that's an elephant. I, I, I'm a nobody, I, I, but I have my spear, I have my tail, and I'm just telling the truth. It's not about convincing about anything. I know there's more than what I know. You know what I mean? I'm not the purveyor of all the truth. So that's the first thing, to take the viewer with me so they can shepherd themselves or we can shepherd them through that fear to some measure of understanding. My next film is going to be called Alien Abduction, awakening and all i mean is is that when you have information you start to understand you're awake now now you can make decisions and i've used this analogy like okay so you and i are driving and then all of a sudden there's a flash flood well hell we both know that people die in flash floods that stuff will wash the car away we can be dead man we gotta okay well that's because it happened and it was a surprise but if we have the knowledge right you might say hey john listen I've got this four-wheel drive. We can get through this. No problem. Or, hey, I've got a canoe. We can go. Or, you know what? I knew this was going to happen, and I have a map, and we can decide to go around this. Okay. But if you're stuck in fear and ignorance, you're going to make that bad decision. You have to awaken to this information. And that information is then integrated in your decision-making process. And then the 
the last one in this trilogy that I kind of see is alien abduction, ascension. No, I, I know everybody. That's a trigger word. People say, "Ooh, everything I do, everything I do, is about us." Meaning, it's not about the shiny lights in the sky. It's about you and me and our souls and us, us as people, us as spiritual people, us as a cognizant people, us as a conscious people. Okay, what I mean is this: I don't care who you are, from what country you are, what race, how much money you have. I don't give a damn. We all crawled on our faces. We all struggled to stand up. We all toddled. We all bumped our heads. We all fell. We all got picked up. We all started to walk. Then we could run. But we had to fall first. We had to toddle first. We had to go through those stages. Then we eventually ascended. So after you recognize the situation and after you integrate the situation then you can live your life with that information and decide you might at that point reject it 100 god bless mm-hmm. you but you didn't do it because you thought the bad guy wasn't coming up over the hill no you knew exactly what was going on and you made a decision with all the information or you can decide to engage, or you can decide to be part of the solution, or you can decide to be part of the problem, but you will have the information and you will not act out of ignorance. And that really is what my goal is. Well, thank you very much, John. And hopefully when your next one comes out, uh, Awakening, or before, we can have another conversation. I really appreciate this. Brother, I would love to talk to you again. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. If you enjoyed this video, hit like and subscribe, and I'll see you next time.